Hello and welcome to Saluting Magpies by Wendy Errington. Developed through the Write Longer programme for new writers at Alphabeti Theatre and brought to your ears by Coracle Productions and a host of talented people. Uh, This play contains some themes which listeners may find disturbing or triggering. So if you'd like to know more before listening, have a look on the website writelonger.co.uk where you can also find links to organisations who offer support. And the play does contain adult themes and language, so careful where you listen. Saluting Magpies by Wendy Errington It's not fair. I wish I'd been born to another family. Any family. From a distance, most families look good. Life seemed simple when I was young. When I hadn't had to bury it. When I'd had less years of her blanking me. Less of her just looking right through me. I'd had a few years of being happy. I remember what that feels like. I remember what that feels like. I'll forgive her. Them. One day. I'll forgive me. One day. Once upon a time, there was a girl born knowing. She knew there was no Father Christmas, no Wizard of Oz, no Fairy Godmother. But everyone told her she was wrong. Of course, I talk in generalisations. It was in fact only one person, her mother. But her mother was everyone. Her mother was the Iron Gate, the Drawbridge, the Dungeon. Her mother was the castle, the armour, the dragon. The girl made an invisible cloak so she could seep through cracks and gaps to gather life, to feel, to taste, to love. Sometimes she felt so much her blood dripped from her. Sometimes she tasted the salt of her tears. Sometimes... She loved herself. The cloak grew smaller and the girl shrunk bigger. And all the while the mother became petrified and calcified, screaming. After everything I've done for you! Fragile clouds allow the morning sun to soften the bathroom. But nothing feels soft. And nothing smells soft. A chill in the air. Turning around, I hear Angela in the doorway. A tongue ready to slice me up. What are you doing, Ruby? You'll make us late. I step from foot to foot on the ice rink lino. I'm just brushing my teeth. I can hear my heart in my chest. She spits out. Mum's gonna kill us. I spit out the toothpaste. I feel hot and prickly. Go! I'll catch it up. Promise. I I feel a bit sick today and um, I've got to find my shoes. You're always feeling ill. And why do you always leave it till the last minute to 
find your shoes? My sister doesn't need an answer. I can hear her leaping down the stairs out the back door. Window frames rattle and the mirror on the bathroom wall tilts. I should be running off after her up the back lane. Instead, I sit on the stairs. The carpet's worn and tufted. The house breathes. And I cradle my shoes on my lap and pull at some loose stitching. I curl over, smelling the cracked leather. Tan shoes change to dark brown as my tears stain them. That bairn's bladder is far too near a tear duct. Mrs Robson from up the street tells me, ma'am. She then turns to me. Stop crying, lassie. Your mother's going through worse. Crocodile tears, ma'am says. That's what they are. Same as my dad's tears, she says. Mam's always coming out with stuff like... He didn't let his left hand know what his right hand was doing. If that fella fell in the tine, well, he'd come out with a salmon in his pockets. Dad often disappears for days, saying... I'm off to see a man about a dog. As he goes out the door. Then one day, he never, ever comes back. I never do get that puppy. And I can hear Mrs Robson's words. Your mother's going through worse. At once, though, he came in extra late from work and brings out a parcel. For me. It isn't even my birthday. I tear through the paper and there's a pair of roller skates with with red wheels. Tony from next door but one says they're shit hot wheels. Mam shoots him a glance and he soon shuts up. But my sister Angela says it's a stupid colour for a girl. And when I go to bed, I have a cry. With the skates squashed next to me under the covers. I don't know what to believe. Think I believe Dad's tears. My lucky routine for school is get washed, put on lucky clothes, no breakfast, pack bag, get pencil case, brush teeth three times, socks on, shoes. My problems at school are tables test, spellings test, Jennifer going off to play with Rachel, Rachel going off with Jennifer, me left alone. I want Rachel to play with just me. I want 10 out of 10. Some days I get it just right. My lucky routine. A plus my lucky clothes equals a lucky day. Some days Jennifer is off ill. Some days Mrs Miller forgets to give us the test. Lucky day. But today I'm not ready to face school. Because my lucky Friday jumper my red jumper is in the wash and I don't want another unlucky day. Yesterday, Angela takes my pencil sharpener to school instead of hers and the whole day is bad, from the end back to the start. It sort of began on Tuesday when I tell Rachel and Jennifer a story. I tell them I have a lion cub in our backyard. Much better than a puppy. Everyone has a puppy. It's a great story until Rachel tells Jennifer yesterday afternoon that I'm lying. Her dad's our window cleaner and he tells her there's no lion cub, just an old outside loo. 
I want to use one of Mrs. Robson's sayings on her. I want to sing, tell tail tit, your tongue will be split, and all the little dicky birds will have a little bit. But I don't. Don't want to risk getting into more trouble. Seems it's not a good idea to write a really, really long poem for homework. Miss Miller asks me yesterday morning. Ruby, has someone at home helped you write it? No, miss. I say. Have you copied it from a book at home? Uh, no, miss. Then who taught you to write a ten stanza poem in rhyming couplets? I blurt out. Um, Mrs Parkinson did, when I was in class four. Knowing that a few feet away, under the sink, hidden in a hurry in the paint cupboard is... A book of classical poetry, with the really, really long poem in it. Extra school problem. I have to go to school today, to move the book, cos it's art this afternoon. I could sneak it home, but Mam thinks books are a waste of time. I don't know why. Story time with Miss is the only bit I like about school. School's hard. Home's hard. Two weeks ago, Mam cuts her wrist. She says it happened with a Stanley knife in the bathroom, cutting some new lino. Mrs Robson says it's because Angela and me don't look after her properly. Says Mam's too tired, that we should help more. I think we are helpful. I think I'm good at home. Perfect. Now I have to be more perfect. Mam's home from hospital. We only had to stay with Mrs Robson for one night. Thank God, her house smells. Mam's back at work. It has to be, she says. She leaves for the eight o'clock bus. Leaves us to get out to school. School? I'm going to be so late. Mam is going to kill me. Because who says the jumper's dirty? It's not hacky dirty. Jumpers don't have to be perfect. Jumpers can be dirty and lucky. Dare I wear it? From here, I can just see the clock on the mantelpiece. The house holds its breath. I leg it to the bathroom, turn the washing basket on its side, reach and fish it out. Flying out the door, I pat down my frizz hair and straighten the bathroom mirror. I see red, my lucky red Friday jumper. Fragile clouds allow the morning sun to soften the bathroom. And right now, just for a moment, It feels soft. (laughs) Are you sitting comfortably? (laughs) Then we'll begin. It's good to be sitting still and it's good to be running wild and it's good to be by yourself alone or with another child. And whether the child's grown up or whether the child is small, so long as it really is a child, it doesn't matter at all. Chapter 1. Millie Molly Mandy Goes Errands The little girl had a father, a mother, a grandpa and a grandma, an uncle and an aunt. Auntie, and they all lived to, together in a nice white cottage with a tha- thatched roof. Ruby, you sleep yet? Barks my mam. Uh, yes, ma'am. That bairn's been here before. Mam mutters under her breath. Only she doesn't say it with pride or celebration. She says it with, with envy and suspicion. 
Too clever for your own good. Wild imagination. Reads too many books. Better not be reading, Ruby, or she'll thrash you within an inch of your life. Give me the book now. You'll be the death of me, child. I have to keep stories alive. My teacher told us that stories have to be told or else they'll shrivel and die. I borrow books from friends, read them in the library. I even steal, take, borrow. I I I borrow them from school now. I hide books behind cushions, under the settee, under my bed. By torchlight, I snatch words and stories unfold out along the pages. Mum's gone out. Read out loud to me, Ruby. Here, I kept this one for you. My favourite, Charlotte's Web. But it's unfair, cried Fern. The pig couldn't help being born small, could it? If I had been very small at birth, would you have killed me? Mr Arable smiled. Certainly not, he said, looking down at his daughter with love. But this is different. A little girl is one thing. A little runty pig is another. I see no difference, replied Fern, still hanging on to the axe. This is the most terrible case of injustice I ever heard of. Your reading's getting good. (laughs) Good stuff comes in little bundles. Poison comes in small bottles. She always has to spoil it. Spare the rod. Spoil the child. How do we survive? We hunt for four-leaf clovers on the field now. Jump over cracks and pavements. We salute Mr Magpie when he's on his own. Hey, Ruby. If Mam's gone out, so can we. You should know better. Asking for trouble. Never walk under a ladder. A brush. A tin. A tin of shiny white gloss paint. It's thick and running off the brush. Onto my jeans and trainers. The heavy smell, I feel sick. That heavy smell clings to me. And pull back. Suck back. Pull back through the tunnel. To a time when... What happened? When what? I can't remember the year, the month, the day or how old I am. I'm... I'm older than... It's after the exams. I know that. Before college? Yes. Yes. I know the season, the weather, a cold spring sun. Where I am... Outside. What I'm wearing. What he's wearing. A scratchy, smelly nylon shirt and oily trousers. And what's happening one second before? I'm painting the window frame. And I remember. I remember in my head saying, This is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. This is not this happening. This is not happening. I play dead. I can't remember the rest of the day or, or the weeks and the months after. I never tell anyone. There's nothing to tell. And every late springtime, it kicks back. And I get ill. Nothing said. Nothing said. He doesn't say, don't tell. He doesn't say, don't tell. Nothing said. Nothing said. He doesn't say, this is our secret. 
Nothing. No threats. Nothing. A poisonous secret is stored away. And my mortified heart aches. I'm a workaholic. High achiever. Thrill seeker. I salute magpies, hunt for clover, jump, 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 cross my heart and hope to die. I'm Little Miss Perfect. Again. Fast forward. A job as a secretary. Husband, house, leafy street, holidays abroad, roses in the garden. What more could I want? Behind closed doors. The roses have thorns. Mind games, put downs, criticisms, bankruptcy, bailiffs at the door, divorce. What could be worse? A phone call. A doorbell rings. <gasps> I haven't seen you in ages, Ruby. How was you? Oh, I love that colour on you. Love the extension of the kitchen. <gasps> Coffee, chat. And Emily and I have tears, laughing about memories. I remember that time you told me you tried Bob a job after school. <laughs> you knocked on four doors. You got lots of, no, not today, thanks. <laughs> and then... Yes. <laughs> Then the last door was answered by some old grey man. He asked me how old I was. Yes, <laughs> and you said, I'm five. <laughs> and followed it quickly with, but I'll be six next week. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed saying, get yourself away home. Your mum will be wondering where you are. I was so upset. No bobs, not a penny. It had looked so easy when the scouts knocked on our door and then swept off front path. I remember thinking that I was so glad no one had asked me to go up to the big shops. My mum would have gone for me with a belt if I'd been late home from school. Ruby, you're forgetting girls weren't even allowed in the cubs in those days. Or the scouts. Never mind the fact you were only five. And never mind the fact that old grey fella could have, you know, done something to you. And yes, I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of your mother either. <laughs> she tore a strip off me when we brought you back drunk after your 18th birthday in town, remember? Mams. <laughs> Families. <laughs> and then out of the corner of my eye, a train slowly and silently screeches and, and slides sideways into me as my words fall. I've never had a problem with strangers. Why couldn't he just have played snakes and ladders? Read me books... Help me paint by numbers. Why couldn't he just have been like... Just been like other grandads? The cold ceramic kitchen sink holds me as I throw up. Pandora's box is hacked open. And I'm not heavy enough to keep the lid on. Reads too many books. Wild imagination. Makes up too many stories. Mam prays for me. Hopes God forgives me for lying. I'm his favourite. Why would well, I... I suppose if that's what you say happened, then it must have. But I wasn't there. Anyways, it's too late to tell me now. Late? Too late? You've got your whole life ahead of you. He's got a bad heart. You'll be the death of me, child. And she packs me off to frozen lands. Freezes me out. Double betrayal. How do we survive? With a ball of red silk thread, feeling our way back out of the labyrinth, sometimes clawing our way back from the underworld like Persephone, to return, to claw back more. I've been sucked out into space. I need you to hold me, pull me back. 
I need a hug. How on earth can I hug you if you're sitting all the way over there? For fuck's sake! Just listen to the bile spewing out of your mouth for once. Once, just once, hug me. I want you to stroke my hair, pat my heart, read out loud. I want you to tell me that you love me. That you love me. You'll be the death of me, child. Go to hell! Did I tell... Did I tell you? My teacher said... Stories have to be told, or else they'll shrivel and die. You had to tell our story, or else we would have... No one's here, though. I am. I'm here. Did I tell you? I still... You did. One for sorrow. Two for joy. Read to me. Your turn. Your favourite. I hid it for you. We're still like chicks, she said. Happy half the time, half the time dead scared. I closed my eyes and tried to discover where the happy half was hiding. I felt the tears trickling through my tightly closed eyelids. I felt whispers close, tugging at my jeans. I wanted to be all alone in the attic like Skellig, with just the owls and the moonlight, and an oblivious heart. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. I lie on the ice rink bathroom floor. Throw over me. Next door neighbours are blasting out music. I have a towel wrapped around a cut hand. I have a delicious memory of vodka shots and and a memory of smashing into smithereens a crystal ornament my mother bought me one Christmas. And then falling asleep with my boots on. Again. I have hair and bits of toilet roll stuck in the side of my face. I'm out of vodka. Out of ornaments to smash. Out of what to do next. And I'm due at my counsellor in 15 minutes. If she says one more time... How do you feel about that? Then I'll scream or, or laugh. I, f- I feel... I'm walking out into the sea. And it keeps drawing me in. Even though it's cold and I feel heavy and the pebbles turn to sand. And then I can't feel... I can't feel the bottom. And I try to stay afloat and I try to swim, but I'm not swimming back. I'm not swimming back to the shore. I'm swimming out with the ships on the horizon. And they disappear. And the horizon stays at arm's length. And I hope it'll be like that film where Jim... What's his name? Where where he pokes into the sky and it's all a film backdrop. And and I'm tired and, and I tread water and I look at shore and my life, all of my belongings are blown away down the beach. I stop. Silence. Silence. More silence. I look to her. To the door. To the clock.
fuck, only ten minutes till I can leave. How about trying the gestalt empty chair technique in the time we have left? And I tell her, if I have to imagine my mother sitting there in that empty chair, then at worst I'll end up destroying the chair and the whole feckin' world. And at best I'll end up with mouth ulcers as a punishment. It might be safer then to get your feelings down on paper later on. So I pay and set off to work. And in my lunch break, I write one of those unsent letters to my mother. Writing it makes me feel strangely quite good. Oh, the times I've feared my phone has called her by mistake when I'm bad-mouthing her. But this feels safe. It looks so official in the envelope on my desk as I head home. Until the next day, when Joan, a work colleague, tells me that I owe her for the first class stamp and that she's just caught the last post. My armpits tingle electric. My unsent letter, sent. Turns out my mother has x-ray vision because she returns the letter, still sealed with... If you want to say something to me, then say it to me face. You know where I live. All written on the envelope in bright red ink. So I decide to head to the beach. Matches, a bottle and a spade. I sit in a warm, snug bit of the dunes and, and catch a family eating fish and chips, playing frisbee and then packing up the things. One of the kids flicks the dad with a towel and he scoops the boy up and runs to the water's edge with him and the other two kids yelling, do it, do it! And the fella goes to drop the child but catches him and runs back to the beach and the man and they're howling. The wind carries snatches of their conversations and laughter to me. And like Aladdin in reverse, I waft their happy messages into my empty wine bottle and put the top back on. And when I look up, the family's gone. Ever stood over a hole in the ground and wished it was someone's grave? A little bugger takes ages to burn. The ashes of my returned letter look so pretty in the hollow on the beach. Like silvery, wispy feathers marked with black. Marked with words. My words. Why did you never... Why? Why didn't you... Sorry. Never ever a sorry. Ever. And a pile of shitload of sand on top of the burnt letter jumping up and down just to make sure... You know I can't bear sand between me toes. And after everything I've done for you, you'll be the death of me. Who'd have kids? I dragged the spade behind me, down to the water's edge where the family had been. Bottle under my arm. The fleck green and blue bits of the sea have now turned to slate grey. I could walk in, just keep walking and walking and then it slips from my arm and the bottle rolls in the frothy surf 
Shit. Wanted to keep those laughs and jokes. I dropped the spade and went in. And in. And in. The bottle swirls back to me. I grab it and turn. Pushing hard back through the waves. Pushing and pushing. Salt water stinging my cut hand. Feet sore with shingle and sand squeezing into my shoes. Pushing and pushing. Till I'm sitting back on top of the sand dunes. Clutching those messages of love and laughter in that bottle. I feel... Feel the sting of tears. That bairn's bladder is far too near her tear ducts. Crocodile tears. It's not fair. I wish I'd been born to another family. Born to the family in this bottle. Any family. From a distance, most families look good. How come you got to grow up and be the wise one? Because I didn't need to bury it. Because I had less years of her blanking me. Less of her just looking right through me. Because I had a few years of being happy. I remember what that feels like. I remember what that feels like. That maze and the red thread, it leads to another maze. You'll forgive her. Then, one day. I'll forgive me. One day. I can taste the salt in my tears as I lick them from the corners of my mouth. And a warm wind softens my face. I was born knowing. As the woman sat in the airport departure lounge, clutching her hand luggage, she spotted a magpie over the shoulder of a passenger, printed on the page of a glossy magazine. The woman's eyes were drawn to the photo, to the article. She could just read snippets. She could read that, in the Far East, magpies are lucky. Lucky. She blinked. The ringtone of her phone startled her as it bounced around. Ding dong, the witch is dead, witch or witch, the wicked witch. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. She turned her phone to flight mode and put it into her red coat pocket. All the while, she kept her eye on the gate, for now boarding. Saluting Magpies was written by Wendy Errington, with Janine Lee and Lucy Curry 
as Ruby. Other characters were played by Jacqueline Phillips, Katie Powell, Arabella Arnott, Amelia Lully, and Sam Neill. The play was directed and edited by Matt Jamie. The music was by Maydan, Ketzer, and Pictures of the Floating World. Produced by Coracle in association with Alphabeti Theatre and Arts Council England, with thanks to Ben Dickinson and everyone who's worked on previous versions of this play. If you'd like to hear more radio dramas from Coracle, search for our podcast Playstream wherever you get your podcasts. And there's more coming from Right Longer in July and August, so keep an eye on the website. Thank you.